the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will, um, it's going and heading into the weekend. I hope you're going to have a great weekend. I'll talk later on in the program, last segment on Memorial Day. I'll give you some thoughts I have on that. I hope uh, everybody has a great weekend and is uh, thoughtful about the remembering uh, those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, for now, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Today's wink Make the big deal the big deal. Make the big deal the big deal. And uh, still not into the big deal. We're still dancing around other stuff. We'll get to explain that to you. For, but go to ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink. What you need to know. Because what you need to know and what you will see is at ProAmericaReport.com. First of all, is lots of great interviews. These interviews yesterday, or it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Denisha Merriweather. Uh, she comes from the, uh, the Black Minds Matter organization. We did an interview with her. Phenomenal. Phenomenal African-American woman who's just making a huge difference. So go there and check that out. You will not regret it. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email Monday through Friday. You get an email in your inbox. It comes in and gives you what you need to know. Some uh, links and a few other things. You want to do that. All right. Um, Please, um, let me tell you this. Uh, the phrase, make the big deal, the big deal. I don't know if he originated, but the guy who taught me that is Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. He's been in Congress for a long time. He's a good conservative guy, pro-life guy, friend of mine for a long time, friend of mine for over a decade. Very kind to me when I was, um, uh, a candidate and other things had just been a state of friend. And he, he uses that phrase, make the big deal, the big deal. And what he means, especially for candidates is don't talk about the things you think are important. Think through what actually matters. Think through what is happening in the uh, community. And um, you can, um, I have to tell you, you can take this idea of make the big deal, the big deal. And you, you know, it is perfect for what's going on right now, because they're asking us to chase a lot of uh, a lot of crazy and terrible and dumb and misguided uh, ideas, shiny objects. They want us to run around in circles and talk about uh, George Floyd. They want uh, you know President. They want us to actually talk about President Biden having ice cream as if it's a big deal. They want us even to go up and fight about the January sixth commission. It's a total fraud. It's good that they did fight it off, by the way. Hat tip to uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, my neighbor here on uh, in in Washington D.C. My office is down the block from his home. He did stand up on this one. He deserves credit for it. You shouldn't be afraid to do it. Uh, how about this? Paul Ryan giving a speech at the Reagan Library. He's he's distracting us from the big deal, talking about himself and I don't know what, and it's just an embarrassment. Uh, blasting Trump. He's just yesterday's news. He's frankly the greatest American loser. That's Paul Ryan. He not only lost the speakership, he was at the height of power and he was overshadowed by Donald Trump. And then he lost the speak. He quit. The greatest American quitter. That's what I call him. The greatest American quitter. And anyway, his speech is a distraction. So what's the big deal? The big deal right now, and there is some conversations in the public and even in the Senate a little bit, but, but there needs to be more. The big deal right now is 
communist China. Communist China is, frankly, not just our rival, not just our, you know, kind of competitor, arch competitor. No, they're now our enemy. They are fully our enemy. We're now learning because our stupid, lazy, terrible, big media and big tech were scared of Donald Trump being a success that we now know they're backing off on their claims that the Wuhan virus, the China flu, was that was not made in a lab. They're backing off. We don't know yet for sure the details, but the media and big tech are backing off. The big tech is actually allowing something they blocked for the better part of a year, which is conversation about whether the, the, the COVID is man-made. But here's my point. No matter whether China, the communist regime, made it as a biological weapon, made it as a possible weapon, or just made a mistake and it leaked out, if it be- turns out that's true, as Armstrong Williams said, I was on his, uh, his Facebook Live this morning, he said this, they should have told us, if they're not our enemy, they should have said, uh, hey guys, we got a problem here, uh, we got something that got out, you know, it's, it's contaminated, it's got some of our people sick, they didn't do any of that, they hid it all from us, they hid it all from us, and they tore the world apart and damaged our country forever. Now, on top of that, the communist regime is sending fentanyl to our country that's killing close to 100,000 Americans every year. 100,000 Americans, mostly men, by the way, males, young males, middle-aged males, but some women, but a lot of men, they're killing 100,000. 100,000 dead, not just casualties, not just injured. There's more injured, more brain dead and whacked out and all that, addicted. But 100,000 deaths. You know, if I told you we we're going to fight a war and we we're going to lose 100,000 people a year, you'd say, man, the people that are killing 100,000. Or if I told you we had an enemy that was able to kill 100,000 of our people by poison, you'd say, whoa, that's a war. You can't afford that for long. In 10 years, we'll have a million people killed by China's fentanyl. Chinese regime, the communists control fentanyl because they control the economy in China. There's no freedom in, a, in China. It's all the regime. And so they know exactly who the fentanyl maker is and that he ships the stuff over to America and makes sure that it goes through the border and gets to the Ameri- into the American bloodstream. And the communist regime now has been shown that they're infiltrating our universities, they're paying money to influence our politicians, and Microsoft has refused, so far as I know, I haven't got an answer yet, I sent a message into Senator Josh Hawley's office. Senator Josh Hawley asked a few months ago to Microsoft and said to the Microsoft, I think it was the VP, maybe the president, you guys have a 20 plus billion dollar contract with Department of Defense. Can you tell us that none of the chips that you're selling to DOD were made in China? Because how can we rely on China to make our chips and not expect that they're going to cheat? And put something in there and, and, you know, hackable, whatever. The big deal should be our focus is our nation is under assault. And the last thing I'll say is I had a friend of mine, national security expert who was on my show, uh, excuse me, was on my on a phone. I referenced it on my live stream today, but he's on the phone with me before the show. And he just said this. He used the phrase. The communist Chinese think of America as Disneyland when it comes to information peddling. Because they can come over here and they can mess with social media, direct stuff, media, whoever. And they just laugh at us. They think it's fun and funny. 
So you think that the Chinese aren't interested in, in influencing our nation, our silly, broken, big tech and big media to have us talk about George Floyd and racism and Me Tooism and all this junk? The Chinese is loving it. The regime is loving it. They've got billions and billions, trillions of dollars, but they're spending billions of dollars on defense and on computer hacking and all the rest. And we go, Russia, Russia, Russia? How, what do you think? You think the Chinese regime is not doing all sorts of damage to us? If, if only information warfare, but I'm sure it's more direct. So make the big deal the big deal. There's other fights we have to have, by the way. The battles we have to have. Same friend of mine, national security expert, was saying, hey, you can't. The, on one hand, we have to use one arm to fight the Chinese. It's an existential threat. With the other arm, we have to try to save the country. We've got education problems. We've got election problems. We've got all these problems. By the way, did you see the video? I'll put it up on social media. Kamala Harris, in a video from 2018, along with uh, Senator Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, and Blumenthal, the, the fake uh, Vietnam warrior from Connecticut, all three saying we can't. These election machines that we're using, they could be hacked. We, we got to worry about this. They got to be hacked. They can be hacked. All three of them, such frauds. These people are such liars. All of them are liars. They're just lying, lying for power. It's nothing new. But here's my point. Make the big deal the big deal. Don't get distracted by shiny objects. You ask me what the big deal is. Give me the big three, Ed. The big three. Number one is China, the regime. Number two is immigration, the onslaught we're facing. It's just absolutely decimating our communities. And number three is a failure to respect the rule of law, lawfare. Not just have the law be right, but the failure to respect law enforcement, the failure to respect the, the role of law and order, the res- failure to the, the, the use of lawfare against we the people. That's not part of it. But make the big deal the big deal. All right, we got to go. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't forget, at the end of the program today, I'll talk a little bit about Memorial Day. You want to look forward to that and um, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Zed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. A few years ago now, it's probably three or four even, uh, we had an event in St. Louis and we had as one of the speakers, Karen Gaffney, who is an extraordinary speaker, public speaker, and has an extraordinary life story. And she came on the show back then and she was uh, wonderful and and uh, and and helped us uh, talk about what was coming and all. And I haven't had her on in a while and I thought, I need to talk to Karen Gaffney again. And so Karen Gaffney joins us uh, on the radio today. And Karen, b- uh, before we get started, can you tell our audience uh, a little bit about you, uh, who you are and what your story is, please? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. I graduated from St. Mary's Academy here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And then mm-hmm. I went on to Portland Community College, where I earned an Associate of Science degree. Right now, I'm working about 25 hours a week for a locker. I work Monday through Thursdays each week. And on Fridays, I work on my nonprofit organization called the Karen Gaffney Foundation. Oh, and I also like to tell people that I'm a long-distance open-water swimmer. I usually swim about two miles a day before I head off to my job. <laughs> and... Wow. I am a Gonzaga basketball fan. And by the way, I have Down syndrome. 
It's extraordinary. Uh, I'm looking, by the way, Karen, at the Karen Gaffney Foundation website. Go to KarenGaffneyFoundation.org. I'll put that up, and you can read about Karen's story, about what the foundation does. And, you know, as you've done, I've heard you talk about uh, when I've seen you speak in person, um, you kind of bury the lead. You talk about all the success you've had, all the graduating from uh, St. Mary's, and then, uh, of course, you even bury the lead on this. You're a long-distance swimmer, swam the English Channel, uh, swam uh, across Lake Tahoe, and then, of course, at the end, you say, oh, and by the way, I have Down syndrome. And and so, uh, Karen, you know, as you speak across the country, uh, more and more people uh, notice that there are less and less Down syndrome children. And so how do you encourage people there? It's almost like the unknown can make them afraid. How do you just do you explain to them how Down syndrome can work or do you just sort of show that you can function well with it? How, you know, do you know what I mean? Um. Well, when I Let, talk with people about Down syndrome, I think it is important that they know that Down syndrome today is a journey of hope. Hmm. I want people to look around and see the phenomenal accomplishments of people living with Down syndrome. We are graduating from our high schools. Some of us are going on to colleges. We are knocking on the mm-hmm. doors of the businesses in our communities. And when those doors don't open, we are starting our own businesses. Like <laughs> Ovechkin's Cookies, Matthew's Bonfire Barbecue, Nolan's Sweet Cheese Jam Company, John's Crazy Fox, and there are so many more just like them. They are not only mm. earning a living for themselves, but they are employing others with disabilities and helping them we're talking again with karen go ahead sorry keep going please no go ahead keep going all these people with down syndrome that i've talked about are paying it forward and making life better for everyone around them and all who are coming after them and i can share stories of hundreds more just like them who are making a difference in this world Every single day, all around the world. So I keep saying every chance I get that Down syndrome is a life meant to live. It is a tough journey. And any one of these people I talk about will tell you that. But I'm sure they would also tell you that it is truly a journey of hope. And we belong in this world. We are what life is all about. We're talking with Karen Gaffney, and again, the website is Karen, excuse me, KarenGaffneyFoundation.org, KarenGaffneyFoundation.org. Karen, the past year has really been a challenge for uh, a lot of people. You know, the last year has, with the virus and the change in the travel and all, um, can you tell us a-, a little bit about how the COVID virus affected you and uh, and share how you coped with everything? Sure. I know everyone got hit pretty hard with this virus. I was working at Providence Health Systems at the time. And I was then home in March a year ago. I didn't know at the time that I wouldn't be coming back. 
I sat on the ox for about three or four weeks. Then other things started happening. The pool where I swim every day closed up. Then, one by one, all my speaking engagements to my nonprofit had to cancel as well. Hmm. So within a week, all the structure I had in my day was gone. No job, hmm. no gym, no speaking engagement. And the NCAA basketball tournament that I was sure Gonzaga would win was canceled. <laughs> Isn't right. that right? Yeah. Yeah. But I am sure things like this happen to many other listeners on this call. From March to July, at least I had a hope of going back to work. But in July, I found out that my job had been eliminated. So wow. that was really tough. Sorry. Hmm. But my mother helped no. me build a LinkedIn profile and taught me how to use LinkedIn, and that helped me a lot. So hmm. every day I worked on my job search, lots of emails and research. And by the end of September, I started a new job at a law firm. I got the job through one of my LinkedIn connections. Then, one by one, some of my speaking engagements started to come back, too, all in the form of Zoom meetings. <clears throat> but at least I'm going to build that back up again. So things hmm. have been turning around for me. Hmm. Where again, we're talking with Karen Gaffney. It's the KarenGaffneyFoundation.org, and you can find out more about her speaking and her great... There's some videos of her speaking that are wonderful and learn more about what she's doing. Karen, I wanted to ask you about the swimming, long-distance swimming. You know, you, you're now... You have these... Uh, they're open-water swims for long-distance. Tell, tell us about that and, and how you succeed at that and, and how it works. Well, my first big open water swim was a relay swim across the English mm. Channel. Wow. After that, all my long distance swims have all been solo swims. I also mm. took on Lake Tahoe, and I swam nine miles nonstop, right across the width of the lake, from that Nevada shore to the California shore. And that swim took me six hours to complete. I mm. also wow. like to tell people, sorry, that I am the no, first I just was saying, person with yeah. Down syndrome to escape from Alcatraz. Yes, that's <laughs> right. I did say Alcatraz. <laughs> I have done that to live from Alcatraz Island, where the prison used to be, all the way across the San Francisco Bay, 16 times now. Wow. Wow, that's extraordinary. Open water swims. Sorry. And Donna Lake. Oh, that's a. The Boston yeah. Harbor. Downbury wow. Harbor in Dublin, Ireland. A five mile hmm. swim from Morikini to Waimea Beach in Maui. And an eight and a half mile swim from Vermont to New York. Made across Lake Champlain. Hmm. 
Wow. Uh, It's amazing. Um, We're talking with Karen Gaffney. Again, the Karen Gaffney Foundation. You should go there and look at Karen's story. There's a link, uh, KarenGaffneyFoundation.org, and you can find out more. Karen, as we uh, wrap things up in our conversation, um, can you tell us uh, what is the most important thing to to tell listeners about Down syndrome? I know you talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but, you know, uh, give us a sort of uh, that that sense again of what's important. It's so it's so powerful to hear from you. Thanks. Well, when I talk with people about Down syndrome, I think it is important that they know that Down syndrome today is a journey of hope. Mm-hmm. So I keep saying it's... every chance I get that Down syndrome is a life meant to be lived. It's a, it's a perfect message. Uh, Karen Gaffney, I want to point out to our listeners, and I'll put some of this up on social media. Karen, a couple times, has been invited to different states, in particular Pennsylvania, where she's testified uh, on and, and against uh, abortion uh, when it targets Down syndrome. She's talked about, as she said, it's a journey of hope and a life uh, worth living, and it's extraordinary video imagery. I'll put it up again on social media, and uh, extraordinary. So thank you, Karen. Again, Karen Gaffney, her uh, her. Career Career and her, uh, I love the story about LinkedIn. That's incredible. LinkedIn ought to be listening and, and uh, helped you get a job. Uh, Karen Gaffney Foundation.org. You can find out a lot more and support her there. Thank you, Karen, for coming on with us again. God bless you. Thanks, Ed. All right, everybody, we'll take a break and be back. And don't forget, you can always listen to this interview with Karen Gaffney over at ProAmericareport.com. We post them all up over there. And we will take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is an author. She is an author of a book, and the book is called Uncensored America. And if you go to her website, uncensoredamericabook.com, you can learn more about it and get a copy there. Her name is Allie Bloyd, and she's really good talking about a lot of issues in the book. And actually, when, when I got some more information on her, they said she could talk about this, 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 and this. And I was looking around the Internet. She is talking about a lot of these things. She was on other t- radio programs. And so uh, great to talk to you, Allie. Thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, so my first question is, when you watch the power of uh, big tech, you know, and, and one of the things you're talking about is uncensored, that you're not, they can't hold you back, you're kind of going around them. But isn't it, isn't it almost mind-blowing how powerful they are? It absolutely is. And I think that this is, without a doubt, despite all of the insane things that our country is dealing with right now, I think this has to be at the very top of the list. So, for example, you know, a book like 1984, which I just recently reread, you know, the focus of that book is not just on totalitarianism. It's because of the technology that they are able to to even have a society that looks like that. The spying, the constant monitoring, and the security state, and that's really what big tech has become in so many ways. And we saw that with a lot of clarity just this week when we saw that, oh, Facebook has recently decided to stop censoring information about the coronavirus potentially being man-made. You know, the information and the facts, they haven't really changed much in a year. All that's changed is Facebook decided to not censor this content as a conspiracy theory, even though they had no reason 
previously to do that other than certain people not wanting that information to get out. And when you are suppressing speech, when you are removing people from platforms and digitally assassinating them, and you're also directly investing in the way that our country looks in the future, such as Mark Zuckerberg donating over $400 million to the Center for um, Tech and Civic Life, which literally changed the entire way we do elections. That was private money in our elections. And these people have a bias. They have their own opinions. So they are really incredibly dangerous at this point, not only for free speech, not only for freedom of thought, but also in the political space. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg also had nominated several people as being potential fits in this cabinet. We see Facebook, Twitter, Google, and Apple, former employees, inside of the Biden White House as we speak. Do you really think those people are not pushing an agenda that big tech wants our country to be focused on? I mean, it's incredibly crazy to me that we didn't do anything about this in the last four years, if I'm perfectly honest. I mean, I thought it was one of the major issues then, and I think it's one of the major issues now. But unfortunately, there's very little that we can do about it at this current moment in time. We're talking with Allie Bloyd, and her book, again, is uh, Uncensored. If you go to Uncensored America, excuse me, the book is Uncensored America, go to uncensoredamericabook.com, you can see how to get a copy, lots of reviews and all. Um, So here's an interesting, what you made me think about this, Allie, uh, a different way. Because earlier I did a a live stream and I said, make the big deal the big deal. And I was talking about the influence of the communist Chinese regime in America. They they kill us with fentanyl. They steal our our, uh, intellectual property there. You know, our big businesses have all caved and and rolled towards them because they want more access to the the market. But here's and I did say and the communist regime is happy. I had a national security kind of guy who's retired say they think of it as like a Disneyland. They come to America and they do information, disinformation. They have all kinds of things they're doing because we don't tra- stop them. And and here's a way to think of this, maybe what you just said. Uh, again, we're talking with Ali Bloyd um, that uh, the the tech giants are allowing as you said, the, the, the leftists to take over. Now, maybe the tech giants are also leftists. I think that's probably true. But the tool has been allowed to be used because they're only stomping on center-right or far-right speech. They're not stomping on left speech. And so the, 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 the tool, because of the pressure of the wokeness, is used against conservatives. And so, therefore, it's being used for the left by definition. And And I guess my point is, I don't know how it stops. You know, your book, Uncensored America, thought-provoking poetry on faith, family, and freedom, as you, you published it and you're getting outside of the main, uh, the, 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 the control of the, the system, but it's still so dominant. It's very hard to picture how we break it up. As you point out, we didn't do it under Trump with Republicans in office. So why would we, why would it change? No, and you're so right. I honestly have um, an article that I should have written about a year ago, but I do think that it's it's very much time to do so because I am very big on like researching financial information of these people because ultimately that's what it always comes back to. What companies are you invested in? What boards do you sit on? Where are you profiting? And then you look at the decisions being made, at the censorship that's taking place, at the agenda that's being pushed, and it always comes back to this. And truthfully, I do believe that Mark Zuckerberg is at the center of a lot of this. 
Um, there are several other names that I, I truthfully believe are acting with intention to drive our country into a certain direction. But you're absolutely right about China. They're one of the names on that list because they have big financial and ideological ties with these people. And if you also look at COVID, you know, that's the big one. That's when we really started to see all the fact checkers and all the suppression of information and the censorship like we've never seen before. I mean, people who were saying, hey, you should take vitamin A to make your immune system stronger. I literally know business owners who are no longer allowed to advertise on those platforms after saying that. And the fact is, That is the truth. That is a great way to boost your immune system. And so they are actively censoring COVID content. So China, as we now know, um, this probably did come from that Chinese lab. Then Moderna, another one that Mark Zuckerberg has personally invested in. So why would he not censor vaccine-related information or holistic information? And then we really take a look at the critical race theory issue. That is something that if I were China and I hated America, I would be pushing that narrative at every point I could. Because as we see in front of our very eyes, it is dividing our country more than anyone probably would have ever thought possible in so many different ways. So we have a handful of very powerful, very tech-related people that are intentionally looking to drive us into the ground because ultimately they're globalists. They don't care about America. They care about their own power, their own interests, and their own money. And they don't need America as a country to be successful. They ultimately want to be these leaders of the world. And we've already seen that big tech is. They're not just an American company. They are making these decisions and controlling these things all over the globe. And it's very scary. We've uh, we just got about a minute left. I'm sorry, and time flies. And uh, we'll have you back on again. We're again we're talking with Allie Bloyd, and her book is Uncensored America. Scott, uh, uh, I did it again. UncensoredAmericaBook.com. Uh, give us some hope, though. Give us some hope that uh, you know, uh, Allie, as we finish this interview, that you know we can break through, that we can locally change things, we can make our voices heard. I mean, it it feels sometimes uh, I'm feeling it today more daunting than anything. But give us some hope. Yeah, I think it really comes back to the things I talk about in my book, faith, family, and freedom, making personal decisions and decisions for your family that will not allow you to be sucked into this. Homeschool your kids if you can, or send them to a school where you know what they're being taught. Stay off of these platforms as much as possible, or, I don't know, support other brand new platforms, support people who are doing good things for this country financially, and also really look at yourself and saying, am I talking to this or talking about these things with my friends, with my family, with people in my community? That's our circle of influence. That's all we truly can control is by spreading the word, bringing up the conversations, making the connections and not being afraid that we're going to lose friends or start an argument over it. Because if we have facts on our side, then that's really all we can do. Right. Okay. Uh, very helpful. Uh, nice to talk with you, Allie. I'm really excited. We'll have you back on again. Allie Bloyd is her name, and her book is Uncensored America. If you go to uncensoredamericabook.com, you'll find out more. Thank you. I've got to run, and we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Mm-hmm. 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today, Memorial Day, is a day set apart when we honor our veterans who have given so much to preserve the exceptional liberty we enjoy in America. And the United States truly is exceptional. That's a principal reason why people want to immigrate here from all over the world. I hope that all our citizens who own an American flag will display it today. But there's another aspect to the matter of a flag that I want to mention. I think that all the American flags flying over U.S. military bases should be made in America. And I'm glad to report the news that a law signed as part of the 2014 Omnibus Appropriations Bill requires that any flag bought by the U.S. Defense Department must be 100% made in America. The congressman who sponsored this provision was Representative Mike Thompson of California, a Vietnam War veteran and Purple Heart recipient. He said it was appalling that our Department of Defense would buy and fly U.S. flags made in other countries. Another bill proposed in Congress would have made it a blanket rule for all government agencies to use only flags made in America, but that bill did not pass. As a result, around the world, the flags that fly above our military installations will have to be American-made, but flags flying over other federal buildings will not. However, a prior law, which is still in effect, requires that flags bought by the federal government must be made of materials that are at least 50% American-made. Now, one would think that passing a bill for our government to fly American-made flags would be a no-brainer in Congress. But this legislation has been historically difficult to pass because busybody globalists try to invoke world trade agreements against any buy American policy. That doesn't impress me. I believe we should fly American flags that are made in America. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up with a Memorial Day message, Memorial Day message for you all uh, and for me. Um, And please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email and also check in on all these great interviews. So Memorial Day, um, first of all, I I mentioned uh, to a friend of mine, since 9-11, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, western New Jersey, but I went to high school in Jersey City, and I could stand on the corner of my high school uh, on Grand and Warren in Jersey City and look up one block at uh, the the Twin Towers and look up the other block at the Statue of Liberty. Pretty cool place to grow up, although Jersey City at the time was not so nice. But uh, And um, when the the towers fell, 
on 9-11, there were lots of um, guys from my high school that were in the towers. And not only my year, there was some in my year, but they were, you know, older especially. They were, uh, you know, there were dozens and dozens. I forget the total number. That's the same with my college. There was a bunch of college kids. Uh, one guy I knew really well was in the towers, but lots from our school, our, our school in total. And um, that was true in the Northeast. You, you, just had, you just had one degree of separation from everybody. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And I always hated, I hate's too strong a word. I always disliked the uh, phrase, never forget. Because forgets, forget in that context sounds like a bad thing, you know. You don't want to forget this. You want to remember it. You know, you and so never forget. It's kind of a double negative. It just doesn't feel good. I've always liked we remember. We remember. And that's why I like Memorial Day, because Memorial Day is a memory day. It's a it's a memory day. If you have a loved one that died in the war, Memorial Day, in any of the wars or in service, the day Memorial Day is like it's it's really tough, right? It's tough. But it's you say, well, I'm glad America has a day for that where we say this is worth remembering, even though it's hard. So as a nation, we have to have that. I think it's important to have a collective memory, and, it, and it's great. And we remember gives you a way to say, well, what part of it do you remember? What is it you remember about this? I'll tell you. For me, I visited, um, I visited, uh, um, um, I visited Europe, um, France, Normandy with a friend of mine, Paul Scalia, actually, the, the priest. Um, and we um, saw the um, Normandy, um, the Normandy um, American Cemetery. Mind blowing. I also visited Anzio in Italy, another American cemetery. And then I visited, uh, of course, Jefferson Barracks in Missouri is a powerful one. It's more like um, uh, Arlington Cemetery in terms of the rolling hills and all. And Arlington Cemetery. In fact, a year or two ago, I took a walking tour with my entire family, um, all six of us, and General Flynn, who was based uh, at that base right nearby and has had a great familiarity with Arlington Cemetery. So, you know, you, you if you can walk in one of those places or go in one of those places or watch a documentary on one of those places... It helps you remember uh, the men and women who died. I, I did a TV program this morning with Armstrong Williams, uh, and we were talking about Memorial Day and, and saying one of us said something like, you know, um, the, the people didn't die for a political party. They died for what they believed in for their country. They died for their neighbors, their family, their friends, their spouse, their loved ones. You know, people die for this great sort of American um, uh, nation, community, right? And then, and that's that's what we remember. Also, that's part of what we remember uh, in this kind of time. And so, it's um, it's a great holiday. Memorial Day is a great holiday. I have been pushing. More people uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance and putting up the flag. It seems to me it's kind of it's kind of uh, politics neutral. It's not real. I guess it, it seems to me it is. You don't have any. There's nobody that should object to. We're not asking anybody to to stand or kneel during the national anthem. Where you know we're saying say the Pledge of Allegiance for yourself. Put the flag up for yourself. It's not doesn't have to be. Can be a community thing, but it doesn't have to be. And so we remember. And Memorial Day is great, uh, a great one. And I think it's important for people to do that. I hope you do. I hope you find some ways to do that. These days, these kind of holidays sometimes get swallowed up into it's the end of school for a lot of kids. It's the end of uh, the spring for a lot of folks. There's lots of people doing things. I hope you'll find an opportunity to slow down and remember uh, exactly what is at, you know, what is at the heart of Memorial Day. And uh, and I think that will that's a good thing for us to do. Um, all right. Let me finish um, by um, giving you a little bit of a heads up, uh, some up- Upcoming events, we will be having something called 
Collegians, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Collegians, and it's a virtual program this year with everybody from, you're not going to believe it, we got General Flynn, we got members of Congress and the U.S. Senate House, we also have Seth Dillon, who's the creator and I think he's the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee, he'll be joining us, we, so the Collegians program is usually done in Washington, D.C. over about two days with about 100 to 150 college students. Last year and this year, because of the logistics and the problems in D.C., we've done them virtual and so last year i think we had um we had sydney powell on the program we've got lots of different people but you're going to want to tune in it's on june 15th it's on june 15th and if you visit i i you visit our website you can sign up and you can actually sign up uh for your yourself um you can sign up for um you can sign up for a student if there's one in your life you know in other words we we don't it's not like we can keep it to people that aren't uh, that are co- it's aimed at college kids so the programming will be college kid ish um so don't be surprised if you come into there and you're you know you're expecting something if you're not a, ch- a college student because we're trying to help college students uh uh fight back on their campus um and uh and be um sort of uh, uh f- focused on how to think about things give them some of the tools but because it's virtual um you know it's something that you can um join in yourself. So if you want to visit and find out more about that, go to phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com slash collegians. And there's a great video there called The Fight Worth Fighting. And I think you'll enjoy that. And uh, so check that out. Um, all right. I think that's all I've got. Let me say thank you, uh, as always, to our great uh, technical director. Oh, I'm, I'm coming to San Diego. You know, I'm based in St. Louis and uh, Virginia. And, uh, but I'm coming to San Diego in the middle of July with General Flynn. Uh, General Flynn and I and a few others will be coming to San Diego. So I will get some details to you. I'm hoping we'll get by the station, the answer San Diego, as well as uh, spend some time with some, some uh, grassroots folks, some uh, patriots over uh, about a day and a half. Uh, so I'll get some details on that. Middle of July. Sometime around July 18th or 19th, uh, but we'll get more details, and I'll keep uh, you all informed on that, because that'll be really fun, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. I haven't been out on the road too much. I've been around Pasadena, Louisville, Virginia, and D.C. and Florida, but I haven't been down to uh, California, so I'm looking forward to that. So we'll look forward to it. All right, last thing, check in for my report.com. Email, thank you, as always, to our great tech, the technical director, Noah, but he really does everything. Producer, technical director, guest co-host, uh, really great help, Noah Dingley, uh, super guy, and also Joanna Booker, our guest. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Memorial Day. Have fun with your family. Take care of each other, and we'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.